Welcome to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, a program brought to you by Living Stream Ministry. Witness Lee, a servant of the Lord for over seven decades on five continents, culminated his ministry with a 21-year, book-by-book exposition of the entire Bible, which he called a life study. This life study is the basis of our program today, which includes short portions of the spoken messages given by Witness Lee. Now, let's join today's life study. The record in Mark chapters 14 and 15 gives a striking account of how the Lord Jesus prepared himself for his crucifixion, even manipulating those who would ultimately kill him to do so according to God's timetable and not man's. Often overlooked in this portion, however, is that the same chapters also record the experiences of Peter. In a very real sense, Peter also was being prepared by the Lord to pass through the process of death and resurrection. It's somewhat easy to realize that Peter in these chapters is representative of all the disciples. What's not so easy to see, but just as significant, is that Peter's experiences of failure upon failure eventually resulting in his being stripped of any confidence in his natural strength and ability represents all of us, the Lord's believers, as well. James Lee is with us as we come back to this portion in Mark 14 and 15. James, these are familiar passages, but uh, as you and I were just speaking a minute ago before we started recording, it seems like program after program, Witness Lee is bringing forth jewels and gems uh, hidden in these familiar portions. That's right. These portions uh, recorded in Mark are familiar to most believers, and they seem to be so common passages. But yet, just light after light, you know, jewel after jewel started being unfurled, being uncovered. It's really amazing. We've uh, talked about this point on previous programs a little bit, but I think it's worth bringing up again. The time sequence here, we've seen, uh, particularly in Mark, because it's sequential in the way it's presented. It's giving us uh, the events in their actual Mm -hmm. historical sequence. Very much the timeline is emphasized in this gospel. Mm -hmm. Uh, The Lord knew he had to be offered up not on any day, but on a specific day, a specific month, a a specific time, a specific year, because all these things had been prophesied. That's right. And so uh, what appears to be um, his opposers, the religionists, the Jewish uh, uh, authorities, and the Roman politicians, it appears that they're engineering how this is going to take place, but really behind the scenes. That's right. uh, The Lord Jesus himself is uh, directing uh, traffic, so to speak, isn't he? That's right. This really shows the, this all sovereignty of God, you know, in planning and arranging all the environment, all the people playing their roles and yeah. uh, doing their thing. And then until just the right time for his, all the Old Testament prophecies to be fulfilled. And I really amazed at this, that how the Lord, he, at one point he had to hurry up uh, in his journey so that he will not miss this time. Right. So in other words, it shows that this did not happen randomly. Rather, it was really as planned by God. And Jesus did what he did and said what he said at the right time uh, in order to arrive at this stage where he can actually fulfill what the Old Testament prophesied. As we also mentioned in the opening, we'll really see as a key point in today's program is this matter of Peter's experiences being intertwined or interwoven with uh, the things that the Lord Jesus is experiencing and going through. Yes. Uh, And uh, that, of course, I never realized having read this so many times until it was 
you know, pointed out, and we'll see it today. But this right. is very significant, isn't it? It is. Because Peter, uh, he is a prominent figure among those 12 disciples. Right. But he was really used by the Lord as a representative of all the believers. So the Lord wanted to bring Peter through all that he himself had to go through, signifying that he want all his believers to go through all those stages and all those processes that he himself went through, now, namely his death and his resurrection. So I appreciate Peter very much in this yes. sense. He became a sacrifice for us yeah. because he got exposed, he got stripped. We benefit very much from what the Lord brought Peter through. You know, we saw in our uh, our last program that uh, it seemed like every time the Lord brought Peter to a high point, a high place, where mm-hmm. he got some kind of revelation, some kind of deeper realization, that right. was always followed immediately by a great failure. <laughs> right. Uh, so the Lord uses... Uh, these sort of spiritual pinnacles or peaks yep. also to expose, right, and deal with our flesh. That's right. And that corresponds to our experience many times. Yeah. You know, we go up to the mountain, we attend a certain conference, a certain event, and we really got uh, excited. And uh, or then we come back, and then we are confronted with a lot of uh, situations that put us to shame, and then we got exposed. And that's how the Lord used those situations to train his disciples, you know, to mm-hmm. further perfect Peter right. in that sense. Well, and as we see uh, in the program today, in just these few hours before his death, the Lord was being tested and examined. But really the one who was on the test is our brother Peter. Yes. Okay, let's look again at a few verses uh, at the beginning of Mark 14. Now the Passover and the Feast of Unleavened Bread were two days away, and the chief priests and the scribes were seeking a way to seize him by craftiness and kill him. For they said, Not at the feast, lest there be a tumult by the people. That's verses 1 and 2. Now we jump to verse 32. And they came to a place named Gethsemane, and he said to his disciples, Sit here while I pray. And he took Peter and James and John with him and began to be awestruck and deeply distressed. Of course, the point here, James, as we'll see, the chief priests and the scribes were determined not to seize him on the day of the Passover because they knew there would be the big crowd and they were afraid of the crowd because he had gained favor with the people. But yet the Lord knew this had to be the time. That's right. Okay, here's Witness Lee. Now we come to the dead of this all-inclusive one. The Lord Jesus went to Gethsemane and he prayed there. Praying about what? Just praying about his death. Don't forget, he left Galilee and he came down to the south, purposely to Jerusalem to be killed. Actually, he was not delivered by Judas. He delivered himself. And when the time came, he figured out That was the time he had to go to Jerusalem to be killed on time. He came step by step. Even he came into Jerusalem to prepare the situation, to prepare the environment, to prepare his killers. You see, even his killers, they plotted not to kill him at the feast time. They were afraid of the people. They would avoid that. They would wait for the feast to be over, then they would kill him. But because he had to fulfill the prophecy, to fulfill the type that he had to die on the day of the Passover in that year, he kept the time. Not the killers kept the time, but the killer one kept the time. 
he actually speeded up the time element for his killing. He got everything ready. Then at the last feast of the Passover, he pointed out Judas. Judas got exposed. So right away he left. Then after he left, the Lord Jesus instituted his supper. Because he knew after a few hours, he'll be arrested. And he'll be judged. And he'll be sentenced to death. And he'll be put on the cross to be crucified. So he instituted that table. After that institution, he brought all his disciples to the garden. A quiet place. A best place for those potters to arrest him. You see, he sent himself to the right place. Actually, he presented himself step by step, and he was ready there. Please come to take me. I'm ready. James, you know, uh, one of the things that this passage or this portion really highlights to me, uh, perhaps you have a similar impression, it really illustrates how there are two realms. There's a visible tangible, physical realm. And in that realm, it looks like all of these ones, including Judas and the scribes and the chief priests and all of these ones are plotting and uh, working to accomplish their goal. But in the unseen realm, the divine realm, the situation is much different than what it appears, isn't it? That's right. So within this apparent physical realm, there is the realm of God's purpose, God's will. So God is uh, carrying out his desire that's why in the uh, uh, New Testament, it also says that uh, the Lamb of God was slain from the foundation of the world. Uh-huh. So even Christ's crucifixion was not a, an accidental thing. Rather, was very much planned by God, even from eternity past. So as far as the timing, the place, and the people, as illustrated here in this book, is so clearly, vividly portrayed that... This is not something of man, of man's doing. Rather, it is altogether according to God's sovereignty, according to his plan, according to his will. So this is a very striking point that we can we see here. Yeah, uh, so it, it's, it's altogether according to Scripture. It's according to the divine revelation and the eternal plan that, that Christ here is, in a very real sense, offering himself up. Yeah. Even we saw, you know, earlier on in this life study of Mark that uh, these final six days in Jerusalem, in many ways, he was inciting uh, this kind of reaction among those who were out, you know, against him and opposing him. He was doing everything to stir them up, even to speed them up, to get them on his time schedule. So he was the one on, in control, actually. <laughs> yeah, completely. That's right. It's just good to see, uh, you know, as Ephesians tells us, that his redemptive death was, as you just pointed out, always part of God's eternal plan. That's right. And so there are no accidents in this uh, situation. Absolutely. James, let's go on. I'd like to look a little further at these uh, portions in Mark 14. Uh, We come to another phrase that's going to be very uh, familiar to our listeners, but we're going to see it, I think, in a a wonderful way in this next portion unveiled. Uh, I'm still in Mark 14, verse 34 now. And he said to them, my soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even to death. Remain here and watch. And going forward a little, he fell on the ground and prayed that if it were possible, the hour would pass from him. And he said, Abba, Father, 
all things are possible to you. Remove this cup from me, yet not what I will, but what you will. And this is the phrase we want to really uh, zero in on in this portion. Witness Lee is also going to refer uh, to Hebrews chapter 10 and a few verses there to help explain exactly what is being referred to here. In chapter 10 of Hebrews, verses 9 and 10, Then I said, Behold, I have come. In the roll of the book it is written concerning me to do your will, O God, saying above, Sacrifices and offerings and burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin you did not desire nor delight in, which are offered according to the law. He then has said, Behold, I have come to do your will. He takes away the first, that he may establish the second. Let's join Witness Lee, James. I think this will come into a clearer focus here. He prayed in Gethsemane. He said, Father, not my will, but your will. Through centuries, many teachers talk about this prayer concerning God's will. Yet, very few definitely pointed out what is God's will here. To know what the will of God here, you must go to Hebrew 10. Hebrews 10 tells us the Lord Jesus came to do God's will. Well, we all take that word in a general way. Surely the Lord Jesus, he came uh, to do everything in God's will. But you read Hebrews 10. By the context, you can see God's will here definitely means one thing. That is, to replace all the offerings. In the Old Testament, you have offerings, you have sacrifices, right? Too many. But God sent his son, Jesus Christ, to come to do one thing, to replace all the offerings. This was God's will. God's will was that he should die to terminate all the offerings. He should be the entire replacement. He knew that God's will wanted him to die. That was God's will. Okay, Father, not my will, but your will. Your will to do what? Your will to have me to die, to replace all the offerings. Well, I have to confess to feeling a little bit like Peter here uh, again, James, exposed. We read this kind of passage, and as he just, I think, uh, said so accurately, we yeah. just interpret everything in such a general way. Right. But there was a specific context here, wasn't there, that he was referring to when he said, Father, not my will, but your will. Yeah, me too, Chris. Uh, I had uh, a similar kind of uh, understanding. You know, God's will is such a general thing. All the Christians, we like to do things for God's will or according to God's will. Right. But what that will is, you know, we didn't really go any further to probe into. And it's so enlightening that uh, Witness Lee uh, referred this back to Hebrews 10, where uh, God's will is specifically pointed out there for Christ to die to become the fulfillment of the Old Testament sacrifices and offerings. And 4,000 years of the Old Testament, all those sacrifices and offerings were made by the priest to cover the people's sins uh, temporarily, they need the reality of those sacrifices to come. Those sacrifices and offerings were just a type, were just a figure, was just a shadow. 
they were used by God to temporarily to overlook man's sin. But they were pointing to the reality which is going to come one day in the person of Jesus Christ. So when he was about to die, he came to the earth to do God's will to be the fulfillment of those uh, types of the sacrifices and offerings. So this is a not a small thing to recognize, to realize what God's will is in this sense, that here is a real Lamb of God. He is the real offering. He is the real sacrifice. Now he replaces all those oxen, all those lamb and mm-hmm. sheep that was offered before. And now at one time, all those offerings uh, were being fulfilled in this one sacrifice. This course, is God's will. Yeah, of course, the Bible tells us that uh, this was an eternal offering made yeah. once for all. So once there's all. no need to repeat this every year, That's every right. you know, new season, new festival, new holiday, or holy day. That's right. Uh, and even the Lord just having replaced the Passover yeah. uh, with the Lord's table is also in this uh, same vein, isn't it? In the yes. same light. He is the Passover. There's no need now to have this kind of a, a ritual in a sort of a remembrance of or consideration of one of the types because now the fulfillment is here. That's right. And uh, the sacrifices and offerings were so important in the relationship of God's people with God. Uh, without that, uh, yeah. there will always be a distance. But that was only a shadow. So when Christ came to be this reality, to bring man and God close together, that there will be such an intimate contact and relationship and fellowship between God and man. This is what God desires. This is why this will of God is so crucial for Christ to come to be that replacement of all those sacrifices. Wow. Well, James, we opened the program talking about uh, this parallel account of Peter's experiences. We really haven't touched that yet, but that's our last section today, so let's go back to Witness Okay. In this portion we can see Peter's experience. At the same time, we also can see the Lord Jesus, his experience. You please tell me, who was judged here? Was the Lord Jesus judged? He was not, because he had nothing to be judged of. But Peter was definitely judged. Anyhow, there was a judgment exercised upon the Lord, firstly by the Jewish leaders, and then by the Roman governor. This is a strong sign that the Lord Jesus was tested by the entire world, by the Jews and by the Gentiles. By both, the Lord Jesus was found out nothing wrong, but one was there fully found wrong, Peter. It's very good picture. The Lord there, he didn't say anything. A lot of accusations. But whenever the questions came to his person, are you the son of the blessed God? He answered. And he answered very affirmatively. Even he told them, Haha, you say, you ask me whether I'm the son of the blessed. I tell you, yes, not only so, I'm also the son of man. You will see the son of man sitting on the throne of the power. And I will come back. He admitted that he was the son of God and he was also the king of the Jews. It was due to these items he was sentenced to death. Hallelujah. It's wonderful, right? Now, Peter got a fiddle. Very good. 
because he surely passed through the experiences of the Lord's death. All the close followers of the Lord were brought into his death. Don't say because of Peter's failure, the Lord Jesus was finished with him. No. His failure was his crucifixion. He was so natural, he was so bold, he was so uh, tough, he was all the time taking the lead. Such a person should be crossed out. He didn't realize. Well, later on, he realized. At the day of resurrection, plus the day of Pentecost, Peter fully realized. While the Lord Jesus was crucified, he entered into that crucifixion. And that failure exposed his very being. And his being was thoroughly dealt with. It's wonderful. Now we could see not only one person passing through the process, another also was there passing through who represented all of us. Don't you think that you are a Peter? Hallelujah. You know, James, we read the Bible, we study the Bible, we read books, we listen to wonderful messages, even like this, and we learn a lot, we gain a lot. But there's a certain element of experience that we just cannot get from a book, isn't there? And that's what Peter was learning. It is a uh, big price that Peter had to pay to be sacrificed, yet it was what he went through, and being a representative of all of us is very, very precious. And that lesson is priceless. And I, I feel it's very enlightening, you know, for uh, Witness Lee to point this out, that in this record of Christ's death and resurrection, that Peter's failure was included here in this portion to show that his natural person, his uh, strongness and his uh, boldness need to be exposed and need to go through the cross, need to be brought into resurrection. This is God's desire for all of his uh, believers to go through the same processes as Peter. Oftentimes, uh, I think, again, like Peter, uh, we come through a period where we've had a major failure. We've been exposed. We've been, you know, filleted in a sense. And we have the thought, surely God must be through with me. Yeah. Uh, How could such a person be useful? But this is really not when he's through with us. This is really when he's just ready to begin with us. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. God could not quite work on us when we were still so confident with ourselves. So he had to allow the situation, and he has to use the, the environment to expose us so that we can come to the realization we are no good for anything else. Then it's the right time for he to come in to work on us. Wow. It is really true. So as I'm going to say, our end is his beginning. Mm, I like that. James, a uh, marvelous portion these last few chapters of uh, the Gospel of Mark, we commented at the beginning how enlightening these life study messages uh, mm-hmm. are and continue to be to open up the things that are there but just covered, mm-hmm. right, to our right. natural eyes and to our uh, unenlightened eyes. And we really praise the Lord for this kind of opportunity. Yes, uh, We have uh, maybe about 20 programs left to go in the life study of Mark. Hope that you can be with us for many, and we hope our listeners would contact us so that they could get the printed life study messages. These programs, we're only able to touch a little bit, um, but the printed messages are you know, much uh, more complete and have uh, 
page after page of uh, these kind of riches. Uh, so we just really strongly encourage you to contact us to get these printed messages. You can reach us uh, through our toll-free number if you'd like, one 888 888-543-3788. Or you can write to us, Living Stream Ministry, Post Office Box 2121, Anaheim, California, 92814. Or uh, our email address is just radio at lsm.org. And if you visit our website, lsm.org, from that point you can link to all of our past programs available uh, not only to be heard by streaming, but now they're available for download as well in MP3 format. So we are hearing from many, many more listeners each day that are discovering this. We invite you to uh, check it out for yourself. Again, it's lsm.org. Follow the links to radio there and you'll find all of our past programs and even this one available for you to listen to again or download uh, as it's more convenient. Hope you'll join us again for our next program. For James Lee, I'm Chris Wilde. Thank you for listening. Witness Lee's remarkable commentary on the life of Abraham, taken from the life study of Genesis, is now available from Living Stream Ministry in a single volume entitled Abraham Called by God. Abraham Called by God by Witness Lee is available at Christian bookstores everywhere, or you can order by calling 1-888-543-3788.